Hey everyone, welcome to Hub City Church. We are ordinary people following an extraordinary God together. If you want more information about Hub City Church, find us online at thehubcitychurch.com connect and fill out our digital connect card. Now let's dive into this week's message. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Rhythms. That's this series. We're spending the summertime talking about rhythms. And we all have rhythms, don't we? You have a rhythm for your hygiene. At least I hope. You have a hygiene rhythm, right? Rhythms, another word would be habits. Liturgies, routines, practices. So again, you have hygiene practices, yes? You have sleeping rhythms and practices. And I'm not talking about REM cycles. I'm talking about like how you fall asleep. Some of you watch TV to fall asleep. How many people like to watch TV while they fall asleep? Only one person. Like two people, two people, right? How many of you listen to podcasts while you want to fall asleep? Music. White noise. How many of you got to have a fan on, right? Yeah, there's more hands. Hallelujah. My hand would be up for most of those things. Right? We have rhythms to what we do with our phones. We have mealtime rhythms. How many of you sit at a table for your dinner? How many of you sit in front of the TV for your dinner? How many of you microwave your dinner? How many of you unfreeze your dinner? Right? That's, again, all of my cooking is in a microwave or thawed out. Right? But there's rhythms to the way we live our lives. There's rhythms to the way that we go about waking up, going to bed, and everything in between. We have habits and practices and liturgies and routines that we go through. And this summer, we're talking about the rhythms of our spirit. I, I don't care so much how you brush your teeth, but I care about the spiritual rhythms throughout your day. As your pastor, I would care about what are your spiritual rhythms? It's a big question. It's not meant to be this condemn condemning question either. It's kind of like when you go to the dentist and they ask you, how's your flossing? You're like, let's not talk about that, right? I ask this question, what are your spiritual rhythms? And you might be like, Sean, let's not talk about it, right? That's kind of how this can sometimes feel. So I'll rephrase the question, how are you in Jesus in this current season? How are you in Jesus in this current time in your life? Some of us would say, man, we are good, we're close, I'm talking to Jesus regularly, I'm spending time with him. Others might say, it's all right, but it feels a little distant, it feels disconnected. Others would say, what Jesus? I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Some might say, I feel bored when Jesus is in the room. I invite him in through scripture and I just get, I get bored. I start praying and I'm talking to the wall. How are you and Jesus in this current season? What do you see spiritually in your life being uh, produced in your life? I read a quote uh, that's mainly about like business and systems and things like that, but 
I think it's going to apply in, in what we're talking about this morning. This quote says, our established systems are perfectly designed to produce the results we are getting. Our established systems are perfectly designed to produce the results that we are getting. This could describe your work environment. This could describe your home. But I also think that this could describe the spiritual rhythms in our life. Our spiritual rhythms are perfectly designed to produce the results that you're currently getting. Again, not meant to be condemning, but more of just an honest evaluation of saying, wow, I'm eating in such a way where I am producing more weight on the scale. I'm getting the results from the habits of my eating that I am creating, right? My eating habits are perfectly designed to produce a waistline. Ouch, somebody said. My spiritual rhythms are perfectly designed to get the outcomes that they are getting. If I'm not spending time with Jesus, it's no wonder I feel distant from Jesus. If I am doing the same, same exact routines year after year, decade after decade, it's no wonder it could start to feel boring in my spirit. It's no wonder that my spiritual rhythms might feel a little distant or disconnected or unsettled or unsatisfied. Habits and routines and these things that are a part of our lives um, Scientists would look at it, and neurologically speaking, a habit is like forming a, a groove or a, a worn-down rut for your brain to continue to function in, kind of like a hiking trail. How many of you love hiking in the room? few of you, right? few of us don't. That's okay. You're, you're closer to Jesus. And those of us, you're, you're, yes. Anyways, trails, I don't like them. Whatever. Not about me today. Trails have this groove cut out because this is where people have walked multiple times, over and over again. There's less bumpy terrain, there's less rocks, there's less roots, there's more of a, a, a set path for it, there's a cutout. This is where we walk, and person after person walks, and neurologists would say habits form that same sort of groove or rut or cutout in your brain. You're thinking, this is the way I shower. I start with my hair and I move my way down to my feet. Right? This is the way I brush my teeth. How many of you, when you brush your teeth, it's always the same spot where you start and then you move to the top or the bottom or wherever. When you fold your arms, you fold them in a certain way. You are in your brain creating a trail, cutting out a groove, creating a space where this is the way we do it and we get stuck in those grooves. This is the way I make my coffee. This is the way I fall asleep. And spiritually speaking, this is the way I pray. And we cut out a groove and we fit right into that groove. We've created habits. This is the way I read my Bible. This is how often I go to church. This is what I do when I go to church. This is how I worship. However you worship during our worship time. We create grooves. Are you a Pentecostal, hands out, eyes closed, going for it? You've created this groove where, man, I am in it and I take up three seats, right? This is the groove I've created. Some of us, a little more reserved and we're more like, this is the groove I've created. Jesus, I'm here. For others, the groove is, I hang out in the cafe until it's over and then I'll come in. That's the groove, because I don't feel the groove. <laughs> All right, and the music, see, worship, huh? Double meaning. Picture the spiritual grooves and trails that we have blazed over the years. 
Can this summer be a chance to blaze a new trail with Jesus? Can the weeks and weeks that we talk about these various spiritual rhythms be an opportunity for us to reshape our rhythms and try something new with Christ? Can it be an opportunity to discover Jesus in a new way? Whether you've been following Jesus for decades or you've never stepped foot in a church, there's something within us that says, I want a genuine encounter with the living God. I want something real. Nobody wants a fake religion. Nobody wants just motions. Nobody wants something disingenuous. We're all craving a real encounter with God. Can this summer be a chance where we shake it up a little bit? Blaze a new trail. Picturing that trail. Go off. It's going to be a little bumpier. It's going to be a little more rough. It's going to be a little unpredictable. But what we see in the book of Acts in chapter 2, April just read this text about the early church being pioneered, and Luke records the early church. And right at the beginning, after the ascension of Christ, we see the early church meeting together, and they're, they're, they're living out these new reshaped rhythms. What kind of rhythms they lived out? What were they doing? They were blazing new trails. Hey, we're going to meet together regularly in small groups. Hey, we're going to meet together in the temple. We're going to do this. We're going to sing. We're going to take communion together. We're going to take the Lord's Supper together. We're going to pray together. We're going to give to each other. We're going to have generosity with each other. We're going to study these teachings of the apostles on a regular basis. These were the rhythms that they were reshaping. These were not normal rhythms for them going into it. But their time with Jesus stirred something to say, I want to shake it up a little bit. And Jesus isn't no longer with us. He ascended into heaven, so we got to change it up, guys. And you look in Acts chapter 2, and this is going to be kind of our, our, our basis. These are going to be the building blocks of these rhythms that we're going to be talking about over the summer. These various things of meeting together in the temple, meeting together in smaller groups, worship, singing songs. Even if we're not musical, why do we sing songs? Studying teaching, prayer generosity, all of these different rhythms that we see in Acts 2, we're going to talk about that. And what we see is this community of people living together, living these rhythms out, and there are results, there are outcomes, aren't there? There's unity. There's a community of people where there's acceptance and there's belonging, but there's also other things. There's closeness with God. These people felt closer to God. They seemed in, in tune with him. They were having genuine encounters with the living God. They saw miracles. How many of you want to see miracles? Right? How many of you want to see a move of God like that's real? They experienced a wholeness with God and a fullness of life. They saw church growth. They saw new people coming to know Jesus. How many of you get excited when somebody says yes to following Jesus? Right? It's like, yes, you've been, yes. Yes, I love Jesus too, and you're in this together, and we're in this together, and Jesus changed my life, he could change your life, and woo, that's exciting. Who else wants to experience the rhythms that we see in Acts chapter 2? But the rhythms do create some different results. Miracles and salvations and church growth and all of those things and the provisions and salvations and baptisms and, wow, I want to see those things. But I want to challenge us. Because for so long in the church culture, that's the reason we would do these rhythms is we want to see results, God. I want to see healings and miracles. I want to see salvations. I want to see the church grow. I want to see provision. So I will do this in order to get the results. And I want to challenge us with this rhythm series to not always think about what am I going to get from God because I do this. 
Because if we approach our rhythms in this way, we approach these habits and spiritual practices in this way, you're only going to do it because you want to take something from God. You want to get something from God. Think about, we're turning God into this slot machine. If I just pray a little bit more, I'm going to hit the spiritual jackpot. If I just read my Bible a little bit more, I'm going to get the spiritual jackpot. If I just press in a little bit more, how many of us have grown up in church culture where that's the antidote to I'm feeling disconnected, I'm feeling low, I'm feeling bored, I'm feeling dis, just spiritually unsettled. And the response of many pastors, myself included, is to do what? Well, just pray more, man. Just pray a little harder. Pray longer. Fast. Serve. Read Leviticus. Really spiritual people read Leviticus. Read more, do this, pray more, do this, you know? And again, we turn God into a slot machine. If I just invest more of my life into it, I'm eventually going to get the output that I want. I want a healthier marriage, and I want this, and I want to see miracles, and I want to see the church grow, and I want to see salvations. But then we're just using God. What kind of relationship are we cultivating with Jesus if the only reason I want to spend time with you is because I want something from you? Would you want to be in a relationship with somebody here on earth where that was the dynamic? I only want to hang out with you if I get something like a free lunch. I only want to hang out with you if, 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 if I get something from you like you'll treat me like, I, like you like me and, and I have a friend in you and you'll listen to me and you'll pray for me and you'll care for me. How many of you want to be in a taking type relationship like that? No, we don't. And Jesus doesn't want us to just spend time with him because of what he'll give us. And so I want to challenge our thoughts on why would we reshape our rhythms? Why would we change the, the, the trails that we've normally been blazing? If it's not just for the results that we can see, why would we do it? Why would we pray different? Why would we worship differently? Why would we spend more time in the word together? Why would we reshape these rhythms? The Apostle Paul talked about this in his own spiritual pursuits in Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. And Paul writes this. It'll be up on the screen. You can follow along. But you think about this guy that pioneered the early church, wrote a bunch of the New Testament, did all these things. But before he met Jesus, man, he was like super uber religious dude. He followed all the practices to the T. He had the rhythms, but they were more legalistic, ingrained. We do this because we have to. And then he meets Jesus. And Jesus reshapes his rhythms. And this is the way he would describe it to the Philippian church. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. So we're not implementing these spiritual practices so that we can be busier Christians this summer. If that's what you're hearing, you're missing it because we, we want to know Christ. We aren't reshaping our spiritual rhythm so that we can become better Christians to show it off on Instagram. Nope, we want to know Christ. We don't create these new church habits so that God will love us more because I can't earn the love of God, and God loves you right now as much as he can, and as much as he does, and changing your habits isn't going to make him love you more, so why do we change it? So that we can know him more. 
singing songs, gathering together, giving generously, reading the scriptures, praying continually, doing these things, serving one another. Why do we do it? It's so, as Paul said, so that we would know Christ more. To have that quality time with Jesus throughout the week. That's what we're talking about. That's what these rhythms are. It's quality time with Jesus. You have quality time with your family. You have quality time with your spouse. You have quality time with your friend group. Can we have quality time with Jesus? And it's not just one way. There's not just one way to have quality time. But as Paul is saying, all of it is so that we would know Christ better, that we would gain this understanding of who God is. We become united with him. We become one with him, he says. So there's this quality time factor, and it's not just about head knowledge. It is something else. It is the synchronization of heart. That you and I can become so close with Jesus, we would know Christ. We'd be united with Christ. So it's more than, oh, I'm going to read my Bible a bunch, and then I'm going to memorize the book of Philippians. It's I'm going to read, and I'm going to know the heart of God. And my heart is going to sink with the heart of God. My heart would beat in the rhythm as the heartbeat of God. It's kind of like a band that plays together. Right? Any good band doesn't just show up on stage and just cut loose. What we don't see is the band spending hours and hours in the garage. We don't see the band sitting there in the living room like, hey, man, let's play this sweet beat. Boom, ba boom, ba boom, 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 slap the bass, boom, boom, boom. Right? We don't see that. Oh, and then if I play this riff, you play this on the guitar. And then the drums come in. We don't see that component where they are doing what? They're building rhythm together, right? That's why I'm not a musician, because I don't have rhythm. I just, everything goes at the same beat. But a band, they spend time, and what are they doing? They're not just learning a song together. They're not just learning an instrument together. They're, they're becoming one together. They're synchronizing together. They're learning a beat together. They're learning how to play cohesively together. Okay, when you play this, I'm going to play this. Boom, ba boom, ba boom, ba And I'm going to come in. Boom, ba boom, ba boom, ba boom, ba And then you just see it all synchronizing. So by the time they get on stage, their rhythms are all synced up. And if they go and improvise something, they can just, they can go there. What? You're laughing at me because you're the musical one in our family, and I'm just over here. I air guitar really well. No? Anyways. But much like a band would have a synchronization together, these rhythms that we're going to be talking about will synchronize our lives and our hearts. More importantly, a synchronization of heart between your heart and the heart of God. David, King David, who slayed Goliath, and ruled over Israel for many years, is, is described as a man who, what? Chased after the heart of God. He was a man who, who wanted his heart to beat in the same rhythm as God's heart. That's why I invest my energy into reshaping these rhythms. That's why we're talking about it this summer, is that your heart would beat in the same rhythm, that you would have compassion and selflessness and generosity and kindness and gentleness that would be an outpouring because you understand that that is the heart of God. Not just so that you have a better head knowledge of the scriptures or a, a better, more spiritual 
prayer life. Oh, they sound so spiritual. What a short-sighted view of these rhythms. But imagine by the end of the summer, we begin to discover something where my heart, our hearts, are awakened to the heartbeat of God. And you can see that. People can see that change. We invest that energy into reshaping, and there becomes this visible transformation that takes place. People will begin to see, man, there's something different about you. Something has awakened within you. Something is alive within you. I love this passage out of the book of Acts in chapter 4, where Peter and John go to the temple, and they're going just to pray. But they have this holy encounter, and this guy gets healed, and then they get confronted by these religious people. They're like, ah, you can't do that, blah, blah, blah. And they get in this big argument and conflict and all of this. And then this is what Luke records in the book of Acts chapter 4. It says the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see them see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. These men had been with Jesus. Other people could recognize, you've spent some time with Jesus. Our, our statement here at Hub City is what? We are ordinary people following an extraordinary God together. And some of you hear that and you're like, ordinary? Why am I ordinary? Well, Peter and John, who are the disciples of Jesus, were described as ordinary, everyday people. But they were following an extraordinary God. And when they went out into their world, people could see something different. These men were like sponges, right? What happens to a sponge when you put it next to a pot with crusty marinara on it, right? You know how this happens. You start scrubbing that pot, right? And it's got marinara sauce because you didn't do the dishes and you were supposed to. And you're scrubbing and you're scrubbing and you're scrubbing. And then you look down at that pot. What happens, right? And it's got that nice reddish tint to it. And then you squeeze out the soapy water and it's red and all of this is going all over the place. But that sponge is going to take on the principles of whatever it's been up against. It's been up against a pot of marinara, it's going to take on the, the uh, qualities of that nice marinara sauce. And you're going to see it on the sponge. And then you get that nice residue that just sticks to the sponge because your kid didn't wash it out. Anybody? Nobody? Huh? Yeah? Or your husband didn't do it? These men were like sponges, though, because they were right up against Jesus. They had spent time with Jesus. And then when the circumstances of life squeezed them, what came out? It was the characteristics of Jesus. They soaked up Christ because they were right with him. They were near him. As it says in Acts, these men were with Jesus. We imitate what we honor. We become what we worship. We take on the characteristics of the things that we spend the most time with. And so what we see in this passage is, is simply if we are people who are spending time with Jesus and if we would be that sponge right up against him, we will saturate our lives with Christ. Well, then when life squeezes you, what's going to come out? Jesus. That's my prayer for our church. As we scatter into our world, people would look at us and they would say, oh, those people go to Hub City, they're cool. Nope, that's not what I want. 
oh, they go to Hub City, blah, 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 blah. Nope, I don't even care if they say they go to Hub City. What I would care is that when you scatter into your world, people would look at you and say, that's somebody that's different. They've been with Jesus. That they would see Jesus. And that is my prayer for all of us, and that, that's prayer for my family. That's, that's, that's my prayer for this series, and I don't think that 20 minutes in the morning, which is a traditional quiet time in, the early, or in our modern church, right? I spent 20 minutes reading my Bible with my coffee this morning. I don't know that that's enough saturation time. I don't know that 60 minutes on a Sunday is enough saturation time for me to be a sponge with Jesus. Is 20 minutes every morning really going to be enough soaking with Christ so that when life squeezes me, Jesus comes out and Sean doesn't just come out, right? Think about it. What happens when your car gets hit in the parking lot? What happens when your boss rips into you? What happens when your kids are screaming? What happens when somebody fails you? What happens when the doctor says it's cancer? When life squeezes you, what's going to come out? Insecurity, ego, materialism, greed, immaturity, laziness. Sean. Sean's coming out, right? But not me. Your name is coming. Your humanity comes out because that's what you've been spending your rhythms in. That's what we've been spending our time in. That's what we've been soaking in and saturating in. And that's the sponge we've been putting up against and we've just been soaking up the things of this world and the things of our humanity. And so when life gets us and it squeezes, what's coming out is just our humanity. When my car gets dinged in the parking lot, what's coming out? They're going to look at me and they're going to say, you're just another angry guy, aren't you? Oh, but you got a church sticker on your car. That's great. No, my heart is that we would be so saturated with Jesus that when those things happen, when we get squeezed this summer, we see selflessness, that people would see grace, gentleness, kindness, that they would see a joy. They would see a, a, a commitment that comes out of you, a, a steadfastness, a, a genuine love of Jesus that would come out in a way because life is squeezing you, but because not because you mustered enough strength, but because you've been saturating your days and that's, again, where I just, I don't know if 20 minutes in the morning is enough time for Sean to really saturate with Jesus. Because after that 20 minutes, by the time lunchtime hits, I don't even know sometimes if I, Jesus, Jesus who's Jesus, right? Anybody relate to that? Only one person can relate to by lunchtime. You don't even know if you love Jesus anymore because you're just reacting our humanity comes out. And so what I'm talking about is reshaping our rhythms that we are spending throughout the day, creating patterns, routines, habits, saturating not just in a time slot, but throughout our day. I focus on my phone throughout the day. I feed myself throughout the day. I breathe throughout the day. So why not spend time with Jesus throughout the day? building that in, in, into a regular rhythm of my life. And as we close, I just want to emphasize this. And I said it earlier, but I just want to reemphasize what we're talking about with these rhythms is not so that God will love us more. I read in, in a book this quote. It said, habits won't change God's love for you. 
but his love can change your habits. Is, you know, I'll say that again. Habits won't change God's love for you, but his love can change your habits. To know that you are deeply loved by Jesus and he wants to spend time with you. He wants to hear you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to be with you. He wants to be the rock that you lean on right now. He wants to be the source of wisdom and counsel and insight that you're searching for. Because he loves you. And he wants to spend time with you. So are we ready to reshape our rhythms this summer? Are we ready to shake things up? To get out of these spiritual ruts and trails that we've created over the years? Try something new. We've got some free resources we're going to be handing out over the course of the summer, and, and one is, is this, this deeply formed life book. If you haven't gotten a copy of this, I encourage you to grab it. It's totally free. Just a, a great uh, resource about what we're talking about, letting your roots grow deep into Jesus, building a life of health and spiritual health and emotional health. This other one that we're giving out is a devotional, emotional Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Day by Day. And it's a 40-day devotional, and inside there's two devotionals per day. And that challenged me because I'm like, but I got my 20 minutes. But I tell you, because I earmarked it, so I, I'm working my way through it. This is my copy that I've been working through. And each day there's a, a time for silence, to just be still for two minutes. And then there's a reading, a, a scripture reading, and then there's a little insight and thought to expand on that reading. Then there's a prayer and, and a question to consider. And, and there's things for us to, to just not rush off, but take our time and just spend our time. And, and, and it's called a 40-day journey with the daily office. And, and the daily office is a phrase that was foreign to me, but I had to read about it from the author and it's just this idea of like, this is God's office. That's what, that's what in, in essence, he's saying is like, this is where God wants to do his work. It's just a phrase that doesn't resonate in our current vocabulary of, we call them devotions or quiet time or whatever. And, and it, was a, it was an old school phrase um, of just saying, this is where God wants to do his work. Let's create an office space for God to do some work. Spend some quality time with God. And so, uh, this is one resource that, that has been challenging me and speaking and, and encouraging me, and I wanted to make it available because I don't just want to stand up here and be like, hey, go change your life, right? I want to give you a practical tool. This is one practical tool. As you go into Sabbath Sunday next week, and we are not meeting here in person, that booklet has some practical tools for how you can learn to stop. Some of you don't want to do that. Some of you may be resisting the idea, and you're like, I'm just going to go to another church, I'm just going to listen to something else. I'm just going to, I can't not do my root. That's your rut. You're in a rut. Shake it up. Some of those practical things that are listed on there is turn off your phone for a day. When was the last time you did that? One that I like, hide all your clocks. Yeah, exactly. That was the reaction from somebody in our home. That's a rut. I live and die by the clock in my calendar. The Sabbath is meant to stop us and be okay stopping, resting. We're going to talk about that. I'll have a recorded message on your YouTube page that you can watch this week um, that'll, that'll 
speak along the lines of, of this emphasis on stopping, but there are practical things that we want to emphasize during this series, not just, I'm going to Sabbath. Well, what in the world does that mean? That's why we've created those resources. That's why we're handing these things out is so that you have something starting today that you can say, God, let's get to the office together. Let's do some work. Let's spend some quality time. And right out of the gate, somebody's going to be like, two minutes of silence, get out of here. No. Or they'll set a clock and they'll be like, two minutes, go, God. You're trying, you're trying to blaze a new trail. Go for it. Set that two minutes. Read the scripture, read the devotional. Pray the prayer that's written out there. I'll tell you, I've grown up in church. It felt weird to pray a prayer that somebody else wrote. I hated it. I was like, this feels cookie cutter. But there were many times over the last few weeks that I've been reading these prayers out loud by myself, and he puts into words exactly what I'm feeling. I'm like, yeah. You gave me words on how I feel so I can talk to God honestly and genuinely. So it's really, I, I don't want to stand up here and be like, just hypothetically go shake up your life. In theory, go shake up your life. We want to give you practical, real-life tools for how to do that. And I would pray that over this Sabbath Sunday, this, this week off that we're giving you, don't squander it. Don't just fill it up with your to-do list. The, the practical takeaway that's in the booklet, and, and what I would encourage you is you go into this week of stopping. Here, here's the last thing I'll say. Go in and say, God, what do you want to shake up in me this summer? What do you want to change? Maybe it's something new. Maybe it's something that needs to be removed. Maybe it's something that needs to be altered. But God, what this summer, what rhythms need to be reshaped? I don't believe we're just going to spring into action. I think, God, we need to give God our hearts. And so I'm going to invite the worship team up. We're going we're to worship through one more song together. And I would just encourage you, even let's begin that conversation with Jesus right now during this song. To just saying, Jesus, what do you want to do this summer? And whatever posture you would take, whatever way you would say it, of just saying, Jesus, take my heart. Jesus, take my life. Because my hope is that by the end of this summer, we begin to see people whose hearts are synchronized with the heart of the Father. Amen? We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you want to take your next step in following Jesus, fill out the digital connect card at thehubcitychurch.com connect. We'd love to celebrate what Jesus is doing in your life. 